So, Hallie, what did you do this week? <laughs> well, um, I kind of just did a little bit of everything, you know, did schoolwork. I did um, read a little bit, um, watched Teen Wolf, trying to catch up. I've got about two episodes left of season four, and then I will start on season 5A. So, yeah, it's going good. I like season four so far. I think it's been... I think it's been really good. Lots of funny moments, especially with Styles. Lots yes. of cute moments with Styles and Lydia. I have now officially unlocked a new favorite character, Jordan Parrish. Yes. I think Scott's a little extra funny in season four, too. Oh, yeah. Especially with certain moments with Liam. Yes. I love seeing the fatherhood come out. I love it. That's my. That's one of my favorite things is watching the... the uh, male bonding between Liam, Scott, and Styles. It's like Liam is the child They've adopted of the group, him. and Styles and Scott are the two dads. They have adopted him. It's so cute. Like, I literally love it so much. Um, season five is going to make that a little rocky for you, but. Okay. Yeah, it gets real interesting in season five. I love it, though. So the characters, the, the villains of season five are really cool. I will say, though, it has been a little confusing for me, especially with the whole benefactor stuff. Like, oh, maybe it's this person. Nope, it's not that person. Well, maybe it's this person. Nope, it ain't that person. It's just, it's all about season four is a little all over the place. It's very confusing, but I like it. Yeah, which I think that's why I always forget that the assassins and benefactor is is in season four, because it's kind of almost like, I picture something else as being the villain for season four. Yeah. And so I forget about the benefactor being that season as well. So they kind of had multiple things going on in season four. Yeah, because you kind of think with how the season starts out, you think, um, spoiler alert, if you've not watched Teen Wolf or you've not gotten this far, but Kate comes back and you think that she's going to be the villain, but it's something else. And so, I don't know, there's all sorts of things happening with different people. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. That's kind of what I did this week too. Is just watching lots of Teen Wolf. I'm almost done with season five. Um, yeah. And then when I get to season six, this will be the first time I've ever rewatched season six. So it'll be very interesting. Um, well, maybe I have rewatched it before. I don't think I ever finished my rewatch. So, but um, I went back to work this week because I was still kind of sick. But I was feeling good on Thursday, so I went on Thursday. So I'm back at work, feeling fine. I still have, like, a lingering cough, but it's, like, coughing to clear my throat. Like a tickle in your throat almost? So it's weird. I haven't quite figured it out. But, yeah, that was kind of what I did this week. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to Family Fiction with Hallie and Carmen. Um, so if you didn't read the title, we are discussing what we read in January. So we're doing our January wrap up. Um, so yeah, Hallie. I kind of fell off the wagon. I did not accomplish her TBR and I, I did okay. I read, I read everything but one book. I think the issue for me was that I started back to school and I was on like school brain college brain and so I was a little bit frazzled and I kind of just fell off the train 
Um, I was supposed to read The Witch Hunt and I Fell in Love with Hope, but did not get to those books clearly. I'm still on small favors. It's just... <sighs> I like January TBRs because I like... Not just January TBRs. I like TBRs, but I also don't like them because I know sometimes I don't get through them and I get mad at myself. Well, I think a TB... I would kind of feel the same way too, but it's almost as if like the TBR makes me read because I'm like, I've still got four books to get through this month. We got to like, I need to read. I need to get out of this slump. So it almost pushes me to mm-hmm. get out of a slump. Um, otherwise, I don't think I would read nearly as many books as I've got planned this year because I want to read 70. Um, and I'm already on eight. So I think I'm going to end up passing up my 70. But um, otherwise, I don't think I, I'd maybe get through 50. Honestly. um Carmen has, like, a stack of books. I only read, like, I've only really read two, and I'm, like, part of the way into a third one. So, really, I've only read three books in January. Yeah. Well, because you could finish. I mean, we're recording this before the end of January, so. Yeah, that is true. Um, I'll finish. I'll probably finish Small Favors either tomorrow because it it's good. So, but yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, well. Would we like to talk about our currently reading? Well, obviously, you just stated obviously yours. Obviously, I just said, so I'll go first. I am currently reading Small Favors. I am on chapter six. And um, I will say, though, things are starting to get weird where I'm at. Like, the girl just saw a ghost. I want to say a ghostly figure, but she thought it was someone else, but they weren't wearing the same clothes. So I'm like, okay, that's freaky. And... There are, running through the field. Yes, running th- when she started running through the field, I was like, "This is a big no-no." Oh, I know because it was like dark. I said, "Absolutely and kept, not." And she kept hearing things like rustling, and I was like, "I would have been, that would have done bolted back." I'd have been like, no. "Absolutely not." I would not be out there. And she said, thing. and I remember in the, reading it because I was reading it in the doctor's office. Whatever was in the field with her was running as fast as her, and I was like, or even faster than her, and I was like, "Mm-mm." Nope. No, thank you. I don't like it. Um, yeah. That's a good pick, though. It is I good. I am currently not reading anything because I finished my TBR. And, um, but I'm going to start Blade Breaker, I think. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I either want to start Blade Breaker this week or... I want to read Go Gently and The Opposite of Butterfly Hunting this week. So I haven't really decided. Um, I got The Opposite of Butterfly Hunting in an audiobook because it, Ivana mm-hmm. Lynch is the author and she's doing the audiobook recording. So I got the audiobook for that. So I think I'm going to do that and Go Gently. So let's make that on the pod right now, locking it in. I'll make that my current read. Go Gently by Bonnie mm-hmm. Wright and listening to. Um, the opposite of butterfly hunting by Ivana Lynch. Nice. I'll lock that in. I will put that on the pod out to the public. Loot. I think I may start with um in February. I think I may start with um what was it that I said? I think I may start with an air comes to rise because I want a fantasy read. I'm kind of after small favors. I'm going to be a little bit burnt out and I don't want to read another mystery because I know Gallant is going to be a mystery. So I'm like kind of want to just. Easy. I've read a lot of mystery books, like The Final Gambit, and then now Small Favors. I've read a lot of mystery. 
yeah, my January reads was nonfiction and like teen drama, young adult romance. <laughs> so very different. Um, but do we want to go ahead and get started on our January wrap ups? Because it's going to take a minute. Yeah, especially with you. You've got eight. Yes, yes. I'm counting them. Eight, eight books. I've got three. <laughs> So, so this is going to take a minute, especially on your part. We have decided how we're going to do this. So I'm going to do a um, a few books, and then Hallie's going to do one, and then I'm going to do a few more, and then she's going to do one, and then I'm going to finish mine up, and then she's going to talk about small favors. Yes. So um, we'll get started. Um, I will go first. So the first set of books that I read this month – um, I'm actually going to combine into one review, but I'll give you the synopsis for each book. Um, I finished up the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants series. So, by Anne Bershears. Um, So, the second book, uh, well, I had already read the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, so I read the last three books. So, this one is The Second Summer of the Sisterhood. With a bit of last summer's sand in the pockets, the traveling pants, and the sisterhood of four best friends who wear them, Lena, Tibby, Bridget, and Carmen, embark on their second summer together, a summer that does not go the way they expect. Um, so that was the premise for that one, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I read, or I watched the movies before I ever read the books. I know that's a big no-no. But I love the movies. So I was still I was excited to see that like the movie hadn't gotten it completely wrong. Um so I gave the second summer of the sisterhood a four out of five star rating. Um, because I really liked it, but I think the uh the plot was kind of lacking in the second one. Um and well not really the plot so much as like I think character growth could have been better. But um, after I finished The Second Summer of the Sisterhood, I read Girls in Pants, um, which is the third book of the series. And it's the summer before the sisterhood departs for college, their last real summer together before they head off to start their grown-up lives. It's the time when Lena, Tibby, Bridget, and Carmen will need their pants the most. So I really liked Girls in Pants. I did give it a 5 out of 5. I got to see more moments from the second movie. So I really saw after I finished these, seeing like um, the bits and pieces they pulled from the last three books to do the second movie. Um, So that was really cool. Kind of getting to see more of those moments. Um, So, yeah. And then the last one of the series that I read was forever in blue. With unraveled embroidery and fraying hymns, the traveling pants are back for one last glorious summer. It's a summer that will forever change the lives of Lena, Bridget, Tibby, and Carmen, here and now, past and future, together and apart. Um, and I gave Forever in Blue a 5 out of 5. Um, so yeah, I just really enjoyed reading this series. It's been on my bookshelf forever. Um, and I've been wanting to read it for a very long time because I loved the movies. Um, so yeah, but, um, I thought it was a good ending to the series. 
Um, you could definitely see where they had pulled bits for the movie. And it it really just made me want to go to Greece, like, really bad. Because they go back and forth to Greece all the time in these books. And I want to go to Greece. I just want to go to Greece. Um, so, yeah, I, f- I definitely felt like I got closure from the end of the series. Um, I know there is another book, Sisterhood Everlasting, which is, like, 10 years in the future. But I don't know if I'll read it. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm that invested. But I really liked it. Again, it's been something that's been on my shelf for a long time. It's obviously not a new series, like mm-hmm. very old book series. Um, but I was glad to finally get it, you know, read and off my TBR. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would give this series overall probably like a – 4.8 out of 5 because okay. it was a really good series but it's not anything that like I'm going to be thinking about for days. It's, it's not something, something like that, that blew you away. Exactly. So, um, but I really liked it overall. I think character growth was really good. Um, plot was really good. Uh, the writing was really great. I have no complaints on the writing. Nothing ever felt too corny or cheesy and I think that Sometimes with books like that, you kind of struggle um, to accomplish that. But, um, yeah, I know, like, with the second summer of the sisterhood, you know, the character growth, I think it could have been a little bit more, and it felt, like, kind of childish. Mm-hmm. But they were in high school. Yeah. And I was very childish in high school. And it wasn't the, everybody. Yeah. And so the character growth throughout the books was really nicely done. And, yeah, I just really liked seeing it. I thought it was... Really well handled. So, yeah. Um, so, and then my other book I'm going to put with this section of the wrap-up is It's Not Summer Without You by Jenny Hahn. Um, so, this is the second book in the Summer I Turned Pretty trilogy. Um, so, the synopsis, is it really summer without the beach or the boys? After spending every single summer at Cousins Beach, Belly's life is about to change. Since her brief relationship with Conrad fizzled out this past winter, she'll be staying home for the first time. Her best friend Taylor has lots of plans for them, boat parties and tanning by the pool and new boys to obsess over. But when Jeremiah calls and says that Conrad has disappeared, all roads seem to lead back to the beach house. Will Belly spend another summer chasing after Conrad, or will she finally be able to let him go? So... I need to read the Summer I Turned Pretty series. Yes. So if you've watched the show and you've read the book, then you know that the book and the movie are, or the book and the show are kind of different. So the show involves this whole like debutante ball is like a majority of the show that is not in the book. Um, so I read the Summer I Turned Pretty last year after watching the show because I really liked it. Um. The books are really good. Uh, I really liked the second one. I thought it was really good. I thought um, character growth was there, but maybe it could have been better. Um, Overall, I gave it a four out of five. There was a lot of drama, so much drama. Like every chapter had somebody storming out, somebody getting mad, somebody crying. Doesn't that make you feel like you're back in high school with like so much drama and you're like... Just got out of high school. Why am I yeah. reading so, about drama? It was definitely a teen drama. Um, 
Also, I thought that Conrad, so I was messaging one of my friends, she's finished the series, and she is Team Conrad. But honestly, in this book, I was not Team Conrad. Um, Conrad had a lot of red flags in this one. Um, I really liked Jeremiah in this book. I thought he had a lot of good things going for him, and I feel like he's really playing that long game of trying to, like, just be there when it all comes crashing and burning. It's like the styles make, I want to make Lydia fall in love with me 10-year plan. Yeah. Play the long game. So, um, yeah, I I think a lot of the reason, so I gave it four out of five because there was a lot of drama. Some of it got a little corny. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought Belly, overall, I really like her as a character. Um, But there was a couple times where I was like, okay, that's a little dramatic. Yeah. But she's really struggling with this book i won't say why because you haven't read the series um but she has really struggled in this book with some dealing with some issues um some different emotions going on um every teenager ever well nope what she's dealing with is not every teenager okay never mind um she um yeah she's just really going through some stuff in this one and i I felt for her and like i said a lot of the stuff i really i was with her on um, but there was, there was some stuff with Conrad and stuff that was like, mm, that's a little dramatic. The way that this book ended was wild. And the way that the book, in, this book ended was kind of how the show ended where you're in like a sticky situation of like, what's going to happen? Like, who's she going to choose? Um, so yeah, but I will say the both the books and the show i cannot stand her friend taylor (laughs) and you've told me this before like you hate taylor um she just had like severe pick me syndrome oh i hate that she was so clingy and like if belly didn't want to hang out with her because she's dealing with this like trauma She's like, you just need to get over it already. I feel like Belly does a lot throughout the first and second book of like telling her off, mm-hmm. but she doesn't stick with it and she doesn't pull through with it. And so, yeah, overall, four out of five. I like the series so far. I, I'm excited to read the third one. Um, but yeah, I think I think character growth and like plot, definitely plot, could have been a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there wasn't a lot of things going on other than just people getting mad and getting their feelings hurt over stuff. So it could have been better. Um, but yeah, so that are my first two reviews. So Hallie, would you like to do your first one? Yes. So this was one of my currently reads that we that I started with when we started recording this podcast. But I actually finished it in January, so I kind of consider it as a January read. And that is The Final Gambit by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. It is the final installment in the Inheritance Games trilogy. So um, the synopsis, well, basically the first line is like, game on. So um, to inherit billions, all Avery Grahams has to do is survive a few more weeks living in Hawthorne House. The paparazzi are dogging her every step. Financial pressures are building, danger is a fact of life, and the only thing getting Avery through it all is the Hawthorne brothers. Her life is intertwined with theirs, she knows their secrets, and they know her. 
But as the clock ticks down to the moment when Avery will become the richest teenager in the world, trouble arrives in the form of a visitor who needs her help and whose presence in Hawthorne House could change everything. It soon becomes clear that there is one last puzzle to solve, and Avery and the Hawthorne brothers are drawn into a dangerous game against an unknown and powerful player. Riddles upon riddles, secrets upon secrets, in this game there are hearts and lives at stake, and there is nothing more Hawthorne than winning. So, clearly, this book is going to go out with a bang, and it did. I really liked the final gambit. I gave it a 5 out of 5. Um... The writing was great, especially when it came to the puzzles, because there was what was cool about this is that all the puzzles were not just like one after another. It was more so of the fact they would solve one puzzle and then the person would send in another puzzle. They'd solve that one. And um, I really liked the villain in this story. Um, It's so... And how they got to it was really, really cool, too, because they were trying to figure out who it was. And then after a while, they finally figured it out. But um, there was a little bit of character growth, um, especially for Grayson, because I've always been huge. Here's the thing. I'm divided when it comes between Grayson and Jameson. When I've seen a lot of people say that they wish that Avery got with Grayson, and I disagree. I think she's really, I think Avery's really good with Jameson. I like their dynamic I think a way to explain it too is like with me I would I was constantly going back and forth between the two of them yeah but the final gambit kind of almost gave you that moment of like okay okay no it needs to be Jameson Grayson needs to exit the picture yeah for real like and, he kind of um, gave like I think they gave you closure on Grayson mm-hmm. and um I will say though um the one of I would say she's considered one of the villains because she is associated with I hate Eve she makes my blood boil anytime she came on screen uh, on screen on the page we someday someday I'm telling you when the final gambit when the inheritance games in general just gets adapted and Eve comes into the pit on the screen, I'm gonna throw the remote at the TV because that's how much I hate her. She's such a snake. <laughs> I hate her. And so, and just the way she was around Grayson, I was like, no, go away. <laughs> no one likes you. And she had some, this was probably one of my biggest pet peeves with her is anytime she was on the page, she always made it about her, how her life sucked. And she was miserable. And I'm like, girl. And even <laughs> Avery called her out for it. Because they were like, girl, we get it. Your life sucks. We get it. Quit talking about it. She kind of, like, in that respect, she gave me, we've talked about Teen Wolf, Kira is a lot like that for me. Yes. I feel like always going on around her. I feel like there's always something going on with her. But it's always like, Kira, we got bigger things to worry about. Like, nobody cares. Yeah. Because Eve would keep bugging them about, like, we're so-and-so, and we're like, and we're like, honey, we're trying to figure out who's behind all this. And so, and it all, what else I read I really liked about it is that it really kind of solidified Tobias Hawthorne as kind of a bad person. Like, he wasn't good <laughs> at all. And he basically just, like, has been, even though he's dead, he's been pulling the strings from the afterlife. Like, he knew 
it was crazy because he knew everything what was gonna happen it was almost kind of like a light yagami situation where you don't know who that is from death note um very much a mastermind and i was gonna say it's almost like a well there's a team wolf character that kind of predicts a lot of things that are going to happen in Team Wolf and predicted all of it and left a clue for a certain someone. And they were a banshee. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. Anyways, but yeah, continue. it's, yeah. And I really think there was some character growth, not a lot for Avery, but there was some to where she kind of solidified herself as like, I'm a great girl. <laughs> I don't know how to describe her. She's just like, she's such a baddie. I really like what Avery does at the end of the book. And I think it, I kind of knew it was kind of had an inkling of what she was going to do was going to happen. See, I had no idea. I was really wondering what she was going to end up doing with all the money and if she was going to stay and take it. Um, About halfway through the book or closer to the end, I kind of figured out, okay, I think this is what Avery's going to do with the money because we know she's going to get it what is she going to do with it? And so I really liked how they did that. And I just got to say, I loved Xander in this book. Yes. <laughs> I love Xander. When I, when we, did we get it in the first book? Xander? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She hung out with him at school a lot. Yeah. She hung out with him at school, but I feel like we really got to see more of him in the Hawthorne legacy. Cause he started to help Avery solve stuff and he became her. Best Hawthorne friend forever. I love that. And no, I'm, I, I, will, I will say, though, you may get mad at me for this, but Max, Avery's friend, I don't like her. Why? I don't. I just feel like, for me personally, she really won me over in the third book. I have it underlined in my copy when she said that she wanted a bouquet of books. Yeah, that's the only thing I like. I was like, in fact, I have seen people, boyfriends give their girlfriends a bouquet of books, and I want it. But um, I saw someone with a review, and I kind of agree with it, but I also feel like she needs a best friend. They said if you honestly took Max out of the book entirely, it wouldn't change a thing, except for maybe her relationship with Xander. But I think that's true. I think that she's... It's true. Also, I hate it. She doesn't cuss. She makes up her own cuss words, like... Instead of saying the F word, she says like facts, and I'm like, I hate that. That is probably one of my biggest pet peeves with the book. Was her? Well, she has a strict parentage. I know so she's not allowed. To, they check her text messages and stuff. I know. It just, it just got on my nerves <laughs> the whole time. But overall, I really liked the final gambit. It was way better than the first two, especially with the puzzles. They got, like you said, you managed to solve. One, you managed to solve one puzzle before the characters did. I solved, I think, one or two, and I was like, it's got to be this. And so it really, I really I don't like, even remember which one it was that I figured I it out. But. but what I really like about her writing style is that she, you kind of feel like you're a part of the story, especially when you're solving the riddle, you're helping solve the riddles. You're like, you think it's this. It kind of makes you feel like you're a part of the story. And that's what I really like about books is when it really immerses you into the world. Yeah. So I really liked the final gambit. I would definitely I feel like I would definitely reread the Inheritance games. Oh, I wouldn't. Later down would. the road. If yeah, the show would, gets like or the movie whatever it is, 
if it ever gets like officially announced and like has a date of coming out, I'll probably reread the first one. Oh yeah. And then like reread the second one for the second season. It's like a movie, whatever. Third one. But yeah. <laughs> Overall, I gave the final gambit a five out of five. It was great. So definitely give the inheritance games a try. And I'm also really looking forward to seeing what else she comes out with in this world that she's created. So you're going to give your next two. Yes. Okay. So I kind of had this sectioned out too. So like my first set of reviews was like teen romance, teen drama. So now I have fantasy and adventure. Okay. So one of these I can't really talk much on. Um, So let's see. All right. So the first one that I have here is The Severed Thread by Leslie Vetter. This is the second book in the Bone Spindle trilogy. Um, I believe it's a trilogy. Not really sure how many books there's going to be. Um, but I really liked this book a lot. Um, so let me read the description here. So Fee has awakened the sleeping prince, but the battle for Andar is far from over. The Spindle Witch, the Witch Hunters, and Fee's own butterfly curse all stand between them and happily ever after. Shane has her partner Fee's back, but she's in for the fight of her life against Red, the right hand of the Spindle Witch, who she's also foolishly hell-bent on saving. Briar Rose would do anything to restore his kingdom, but there's a darkness creeping inside him, a sinister bond to the Spindle Witch he can't escape. All hopes of restoring Andar rest on deciphering a mysterious book code, finding the hidden city of the last witches, and uncovering a secret lost for centuries, one that might just hold the key to the Spindle Witch's defeat, if they can, if they can all survive that long. So. Sounds good. This is an arc read. Um, this book comes out February 7th. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so the series as a whole is a retelling of Sleeping Beauty, um, which you can kind of tell from some of that description, but the first book was so good, and I really loved the second one. Um, I gave it a five out of five. Um, I thought it was better than the first one, Um, but I can't give too much of a review um, because I am writing a review for it on MuggleNet's book blog page. So if you guys would like to see the full review on this book, um, it'll be coming out soon. So just kind of keep an eye out. I'm not really totally sure when it's going to be coming out. Um, but I can definitely post it to our story on our Instagram um, when it does. Um, but yeah, just kind of like an overall review. Was just I thought it was better than the first one. You know, it's filled with adventure, action, magic slow burn romance which is wonderful um and it does have lgbtq plus in uh representation so um that's really nice and it wasn't just like a side character it was a main character so that was interesting um to see because i feel like a lot of books if they have an lgbt character it's usually a side character yeah or someone for like comic relief Mm -hmm. um so yeah, uh, if you haven't read the series and you like retellings, I definitely recommend it. If you like magic or adventure, action, um, representation, uh, trying to think what else. They're treasure hunters. Yeah, it's all good. 
It's all great. I really liked the second one. So, yeah, The Severed Thread by Leslie Better. So, my next one is I finished the Percy Jackson series. Yay! <laughs> um, so, this is Percy Jackson and the Olympians, uh, The Last Olympian um, by Rick Riordan. And description. All year, the Half-Bloods have been preparing for battle against the Titans, knowing that the odds of victory are grim. Kronos' army is stronger than ever, and with every god and Half-Blood he recruits, the evil Titan's power only grows. While the Olympians struggle to contain the rampaging monster Typhon, Kronos begins his advance on New York City, where Mount Olympus stands virtually unguarded. Now it's up to Percy Jackson and an army of young demigods to stop the Lord of Time. In this momentous final book in the New York Times best-selling series, the long-awaited prophecy surrounding Percy's 16th birthday unfolds, and as the battle for Western civilization rages on the streets of Manhattan, Percy faces a terrifying suspicion that he may be fighting against his own fate. So... This is my first time ever reading the series, um, but I really liked it. Um, I'm glad to. It's like it's kind of like Sister of the Traveling Pants. I've had it on my shelf for a while, so I'm glad to have finally have that read, especially with the show coming out this year. Um, but I gave it a four out of five. Um, I thought it was a fun ending to the adventure. I can't wait to see the TV show adaptation. I do think. I think I gave it a four out of five just purely because, like, it is young adult. It is kind of like a middle grade book almost. It is. Um, so, as far as, like, in comparison to the books I read now, it was a little young adult, if that makes sense. I don't want to say childish. Childish is not the right term. But, yeah. So, I gave it a four out of five. I liked it a lot. I really thought it was a good ending to the series. Um, character growth was really nice. Um, I thought the writing was great. Um, Plot-wise was great. Um, it's just not a typical modern-day Carmen reading. So yeah. that was a guy who gave it a 4 out of 5. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. thought it was really good. Um, if you haven't read Percy Jackson... I recommend doing so before the show comes out because the the books are very good. They are really good. This is my first time reading them. Um, and I liked the movies up until reading the books. With the show coming out and Rick Riordan is writing the series, we know that it's going to be good. And I also just want to say, so I have a funny story about Percy Jackson and how I read it. So I've read the first book, I believe, about three times because I read it on my own and then I read it twice whenever I was in we listened to the audiobook in the library in middle school but um then I read the second book it was good and then for some reason I jumped to the fourth book the battle of the labyrinth before I realized I was making a mistake because at that time it was like the roman numerals I didn't know the difference between roman numerals at the time so yeah I got about almost finished with the battle of the labyrinth before I realized oh I've just made a mistake because someone pointed out and they go, have you read the third book? And I'm like, no, I thought this was the third book. No, Hallie, that's the fourth book. Oh crap. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to reread, read Percy Jackson before, 
reread the first two, read the third book, reread the fourth book, and then read the fifth book this year. It oh, that not one of my brightest moments, but it's How fine. Did you not, the Roman numeral for three is three lines. I was how I, when did I read the Battle of the I read the Battle of the Labyrinth in like fourth grade. <laughs> so I did not know the difference between Roman numerals. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Favorite character? Uh, I want to ask you this. Who's your favorite Percy Jackson character? I don't know if I was in that invested. Um, well, I listened to the audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy that did the voice for Percy, I think, did a good job. And so I feel entitled to pick Percy. Mm hmm. I feel like everybody picks Percy or Annabeth. I was gonna say um, it would either be Percy or Annabeth. That's the only two characters I even really cared about. Because I wasn't a big fan of Rachel. Nobody likes Rachel. Wasn't a huge fan of that girl. Yeah, I'll go with Percy. He was a solid main character. I love love Percy. (laughs) He was a solid main character. But yeah. Four out of five. Great. So. What is your next book? Okay, so the next one that I read was Among Them Beat. That wow, <laughs> Among Them <laughs> Among the Beasts and Briars by Ashley Poston. It is a standalone fantasy novel that I really liked. Um, normally, I'm not one for standalones, but I really liked it. So, I'm just gonna read the back for you so the forest took everything from her now it's her only hope saris i think that's how you say her name saris i don't know there's not a pronunciation guide it's fine. anyways we're gonna go with saris saris is safe in the kingdom of Aloria. there are no droughts disease or famine and peace is everlasting it has been this way for hundreds of years since the first king made a bargain with the lady who ruled the forest that borders the kingdom but as aloria prospered the woods grew dark (laughs) cursed and forbidden now as a new queen is crowned things long hidden in the woods descend on the kingdom Ceres is forced on the run, her only companions, a small fox from the royal garden, and the magic in her veins. But the road is darker and more dangerous than she knows, and as secrets from the past are uncovered amid the teeth and roots of the forest, it's going to take everything she has just to survive. So, when I read the back of this for the first time, when I was towards the beginning of the book, it kind of felt like a Disney movie, because she's got like a fox companion, and yeah but i really enjoyed the among the beasts and briars it was a very quick read for me i gave it a five out of five um i liked there was a lot of character there was some character development especially for the fox character <laughs> sounds crazy 100%. to say um but did he not give you lucian vibes yes it he did i don't know why but he yeah um but yeah, I really liked I liked the world building. It was really, really cool. It kind of made me want to see more of this world. Mm-hmm. But this book did have an ending. But there was a little tidbit at the end of the book that made it seem like, oh, is there something more to tell? I, I don't think so. I think I it's a standalone. I, I don't think so. But um, 
it was very very good i liked all the characters um i liked the banter between saris and fox it was very very funny um and there's also one character in the book i don't know why he just cracked me up for some reason i'm not gonna spoil who it is but basically this guy is a walking corpse literally and he literally states that like i don't know how many times he's like why do you want me to care i'm dead (laughs) why should i care about things but yeah um there is lgbt representation a little bit but it's not like a lot which i think some people may have issues with that and um yeah i just don't really know what for i'm not usually a big fan of standalone novels because sometimes if they end such a way they make me want more but i really liked this um and you said it was a quick read for you so Overall, I'd give it a 5 out of 5. And she does have more books. I just now noticed that on the back. So I may check those out in the future. But if you are looking for just a quick, good, easy to swallow, standalone fantasy, Among the Beasts and Briars is going to be your favorite. And I also just got to mention, the cover is beautiful. It is very nice. It is very nice. Very beautiful. I got that book back when Book Talk was all about like books with nice covers mm-hmm. and i got that book and um an affair of poisons yes and it's mostly like gold reflective that was back when yeah that was back when tiktok when book talk was like here's books with the prettiest covers popular books with the prettiest covers yeah but yeah i really liked among the beasts and briars gave it a five out of five pretty dang good so what other books do you have left so my last two are the nonfiction books that i read this year month wow <laughs> oh um carmen 2023 is not over it just started i almost dropped tom Felton. um so um i read two nonfiction books this month and that was um tom belton beyond the wand and madly deeply um alan rickman so the first one i'm going to talk about Actually, I'm going to leave him for last. Oh, okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Madly Deeply, which was the diaries of Alan Rickman. Um, I had a forward by Emma Thompson. Um, so this was the diaries of Alan Rickman. Um, and by diaries, it's not like dear diary. Mm-hmm. It's like planner. So this is what he did at this time, at this day. Um, so description on the book. Um from his breakout role in Die Hard to his outstanding multifaceted performances in the Harry Potter films, Galaxy Quest, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and more, Alan Rickman cemented his legacy as a world-class actor. His air of dignity, his sonorous voice, and the knowing wit he brought to each role continue to captivate audience to, audiences today. But Rickman's ability to breathe life into projects wasn't confined to just his performances. As you'll find, Rickman's diaries detail the extraordinary and the ordinary, flitting between worldly and witty and gossipy, while remaining utterly candid throughout. He takes us inside his home, on trips with friends across the globe, and on the sets of films and plays ranging from the likes of Sense and Sensibility to Noel Coward's private lives, to the final film he directed, A Little Chaos. 
Running from 1993 to his death in 2016, the diaries provide singular insight into Rickman's public and private life. Reading them is like listening to Rickman chatting to a close companion. Meet Rickman, the consummate professional actor, but also the friend, the traveler, the fan, the director, the enthusiast, in short, the man beyond the icon. So, we all know I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, Alan Rickman is known by Harry Potter fans as Severus Snape. Um, I really liked this book. I thought it was interesting. It was different because, like I said, it is like the whole book is just like his planner entries. Um, So I'll read you one. So, like, here's 8th of July, 3.30, flight to Berlin. Lance on the flight. Wyland drives me to the hotel and then to the restaurant. I can't let go with them. I'm pulling on the reins all the time until they sign. So, like, he would tell you what he's doing, but everything had, like, a little quip with it. Like, um, I love this one. Uh, 29th of July, Jurassic Park. What the hell is the plot? Great dinosaurs. (laughs) I love that one. Um, And then I marked all the pages where he talked about Harry Potter. Um, But I thought it was really interesting because... I guess I just didn't know much about his life or like the kind of person he was. And, you know, you've heard, like, I've heard stories of like how he was a really great man. He was very intimidating, um, but he was a really amazing man. And just reading this, it almost, it almost felt intrusive because it's like you're in his mind. And so a part of me was kind of like, if he was alive, would he want people to see this? But, you know, um, but he was a very particular man. Um, this description put it a good way. Um, while remaining utterly candid throughout, he was very candid. Um, so he like talks about movies and stuff and like his thoughts on him, like full blown thoughts. Um, he talks about Emma Watson at one point, and this is when she was still younger, but he was like, She's a good actress, but she needs to work on her diction. Um, she could be a better actress and like all this stuff. And then he talks about Daniel Radcliffe um, and how he doesn't think he'll be an actor. He thinks he'll be in the directing or producing business. And so it's just kind of like he gave like his 100% thoughts. Um, didn't hold anything back, but he was a very symbolic and poetic man. Some of the stuff he says is like very poetic, um, but it was very interesting. I think it, if you're a fan of Alan Rickman, I definitely mm-hmm. think you should read them. Um, kind of gives you a little more insight into who he was and um, what he believed. But yeah, I really liked it. I gave it a four out of five. Um, it was fun to see inside of his mind and learn his thoughts on movies and Harry Potter and like the other movies that he was in. Um, he talks a lot about an awfully big adventure and, uh, Robin hood, sense and sensibility. Um, what was the other one? There was another one he talked about a lot. Um, he does talk about his time spent with Rima Horton, which he, um, whom he had been friends with for a very long time and ended up marrying. Um, my name is Rachel Corey. He talks about that one a lot. Um, Love Actually. A Little Chaos. 
yeah. Um, it was kind of sad towards the end because his injuries got fewer and far between, and they got smaller, and that's when he was done with the pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. and so he just didn't write a lot. Um, so that was kind of sad. But he he lived an extraordinary life, and I think it's very sad. He died at 69, and that's very sad to me because um, he could have lived longer, and he could have done more. I know that he supported some charities, um, so it's just kind of sad to think that, like, somebody that like that passed away so soon um yeah I remember when he passed I remember being in school I was a senior in high school when he passed and I remember being at school that day and there was people crying in the hallways and that was a it was a sad day he was a good man um yeah very interesting to read it was very quick read because it's just you know planner entries yeah so it didn't take long at all so my other nonfiction and last book on my January wrap-up was my favorite book from this month, and that is Beyond the Wand by Tom Felton. And Tom Felton is best known for his role as Draco Malfoy. Um, Did someone say Draco Malfoy? Yes. Um, so I have to... So. Me and non-fictions, I have to be really interested in the person or the subject to read it. And even then, non-fictions are usually getting a four out of five for me. There are very few, like I could probably only count on one hand, the amount of non-fictions that I've read that have just like absolutely blown me away. I've been hooked from page one. They get a five out of five. They would get more if I, if the scale was larger, like they mm-hmm. get like an 11 out of five. Um, and this book has joined that rank. I absolutely adored this book. I could not put it down. It was such a quick read because I was just so invested. Um, so I'll read you the description. Tom Felton's adolescence was anything but ordinary. His early rise to fame in the blood in beloved films like The Borrowers catapulted him into the limelight but nothing could prepare him for what was to come after he landed the iconic role of draco malfoy the bleached blonde villain of the harry potter movies for the next 10 years he was at the center of a huge pop culture phenomenon and yet in between filming he would go back to being a normal teenager trying to fit in at a normal school Speaking with great candor and his signature humor, Tom shares his experience growing up as part of the wizarding world, while also trying to navigate the muggle world. He tells stories from his early days in the business, like his first acting gig where he was mistaken for fellow blonde child actor Macaulay Culkin, and his Harry Potter audition where, in a very Draco-like move, he fudged how well he knew the books not at all. He reflects on his experiences working with cinematic greats such as Alan Rickman, Sir Michael Gambon, Dame Maggie Smith, and Ralph Fiennes, including that awkward Voldemort hug. And perhaps most poignantly, he discusses the lasting relationships he made over that decade of filming, including with Emma Watson who started out as a pesky nine-year-old, but who soon became one of his dearest friends. 
Then, of course, there are the highs and lows of fame and navigating life after such a momentous experience. Tom Felton's Beyond the Wand is an entertaining, funny, and poignant must-read for any Harry Potter fan. Prepare to meet a real-life wizard. And I agree with everything that just said. Like, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you have to read this book. Even if you don't read, you've got to read this book. Because he told, like, so many unique stories about filming the books filming the books, filming the movies, um, auditions, meeting people for the first time, who he hung out with on set, what set life was like, how certain scenes came about, and just all kinds of cool like facts and behind the scenes moments and just really cool things to learn. Um, if it says anything, his dedication says, I dedicate this book to the muggles who got me here. I love him so much. Um, there is a foreword by Emma Watson, which is fantastic for all of, you know, my fellow Germani lovers and just lovers of Tom and Emma's friendship. Um, her writing the foreword is perfect. It was so good. And I really can't even express it into words. Um, he does talk about his family life and like what he did in between the movies. Um, stories of like what his brothers and him used to love to go do. And um, yeah. It was so cool. It does cover, like, his time on The Borrowers and, like, other films. Um, but mostly it's Harry Potter. So, yeah, I was definitely excited that it was Harry Potter because, obviously. But it actually was just so good that I even was invested in the chapters that were about his home life. Yeah. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, he does talk a little bit about his time after the Harry Potter movies. Um, so I do want to give trigger warnings for alcohol uh, addiction and just addiction in general, um, because he does tell about his um, struggle with alcohol and um, a, a rehab story that involved running away um, and then going back to rehab. So um, trigger warnings for all that. Um, but yeah, I just can't even put into words my thoughts on this book but he kind of like art imitated life a little bit with him because he was kind of an angsty teen so it definitely probably helped him land the role but if five out of five i could even see myself rereading this one day and that doesn't happen often like i said there's only like a handful i could only fit onto one hand the amount of books that i've read that are nonfiction that i would reread again and cannot wait to reread again. Um, he did record mm -hmm. the audiobook for this. And I saw that. One of the other nonfiction books that I want to reread eventually is uh, The Rural Diaries by Hilary Brighton Morgan. And then another one is Talking As Fast As I Can by Lauren Graham. And all three of those, or all of those, are also recorded by them. And so when I reread those eventually, I'll probably listen to the audiobooks because I like to hear their voice. Yeah. But. My gosh, I love this book. It went, My reading journal has like a book bracket in it, and I put this one as my January favorite. It was amazing. I loved it. Love that. So yeah, that is all the books that I read in January. So that was eight books total. I am ahead, ahead of my pitiful three. <laughs> according to Goodreads, I am three books ahead of schedule on my reading challenge. 
of Ooh. 70 books. So maybe I'll, my big goal is 100, mm-hmm. but my realistic goal is 70. Yeah. So, but, you know, that's just one step further to that 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to talk about small favors a little bit? Sure, I will. Like I said, small favors is my currently reading, but I know for a fact I'll probably finish it before this episode comes out. So I'm just going to read the back of the summary and I'll just give you guys my current thoughts on small favors. So the hearts, it, by the way, it is written by Aaron A. Craig, which we probably said before. Aaron A. Aaron A. Craig. I feel like I said Aaron Craig. I don't know, actually. Okay. The author's name is Aaron A. Craig. So, there we go. Now, moving on to the summary. So, the heart's desire always comes with a price. Ellery Downing is waiting for something to happen. Life in isolated Amity Falls, surrounded by an impenetrable forest, has a predictable sameness. Her days are filled with tending to her family's beehives, chasing after her sisters, and dreaming of bigger things while her twin, Samuel, is free to roam as he wishes. Early settlers fought off monstrous creatures in the woods, and whispers that the creatures still exist keep the Downings and their neighbors from venturing. Excuse me. Let me repeat that sentence. Early settlers fought off monstrous creatures in the woods, and whispers that the creatures still exist keep the Downings and their neighbors from venturing too far. When some townsfolk go missing on a trip to fetch supplies, a heavy unease settles over the falls. As the seasons change, it's clear that something is terribly wrong. The creatures are real, and they're offering to fulfill the residents' deepest desires in return for just a small favor. These seemingly trifling demands, however, hide sinister intentions. Soon, Ellery (coughs) finds herself in a race against time to stop Amity Falls, her family, and the boy she loves from going up in flames. So, it sounds good and i know it's gonna be good because it's aaron a craig who are we kidding but so far my thoughts are not a lot has happened of course i'm only six chapters in but there's just been like things here and there that have happened of them saying like oh we we've seen these creatures roam around our barn they've got like silver eyes we've heard all these weird noises and ellery has seen a little girl and it's just, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's creepy, but it's more so, like, eerie and unsettling to the point where you're like, okay, something's off here. But, yeah, it's kind of gotten a slow start, which is what you expect from a book like this. You kind of want to get to, get to know the people, and especially, because there's a lot of different families in here that do certain things, and, um, But yeah, you're kind of just waiting, like you said, and I believe in the last episode, you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And so that's what I'm kind of waiting for, for things to really kick off and start going. But um, so far, I really like Small Favors. My current rating of it, I would definitely say a four out of five because, again, I've not gone all the way there through it. And it's just kind of been a slow start for me. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what these creatures are all about because um where i'm at which i don't know if i've talked to you about this where i'm at they're the dad and her twin just got back from the woods because they were looking for somebody and they had the 
twin Samuel said that he'd seen the creature. It was really, really tall and it was really, really fast and had the silver eyes. And um, I was like, okay, this is getting really weird. <laughs> Cause you're like, what? They kind of almost describe it. When I s was reading the description, it almost kind of sounded like wolves, you know? You know, considering I'm watching Teen Wolf, I just, yeah. wolves automatically come into my head. And so I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, so far, I like it. Um, would I say that it's better than House of Salt and Sorrows? No. I wouldn't say it's better than House of Salt and Sorrows. But yeah, I'm really excited to see where they go with I this. I wouldn't rate it better than House of Salt and Sorrows. And no. I've read both of them. House of Salt and Sorrows, I gave a 5 out of 5. This, I would probably give a 4. It may jump to a 4.5. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. I gave it a 5 out of 5, but I wouldn't say that it's better than House of Salt Stars. Oh, no. So, also, for those interested in our scale rating, I actually made an Instagram post not too long ago on my Instagram with my rating scale. So, I get very loose with ratings, like, as far yeah. as I can rate, like, six books, five out of fives, but I can tell you, like, some of them are, like, way better than others. But just because I gave it a five doesn't mean it's like top tier. Mm -hmm. It really just means like I would read this again. It was good writing. I have no complaints. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I kind of hate rating and ranking books. I kind of hate that because I feel like it's like comparing apples and oranges because they're all different. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely, I, I get very loose with ratings too because I'm like, Nah. I would say, like, if it's a five out of five, it's not the most perfect book in the world. <laughs> there were flaws with it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, everybody writes books differently. Oh, yeah. That's what makes it fun. Yes. Um, so, yeah, guys, that was our January wrap up. Um, yeah. So, I finished everything um, except not. for Playbreaker. So, Blade Breaker got added to my February TBR. If you listened last week, then we talked about our February TBRs. But yeah, guys, that was our January wrap-up. Um, we don't have a game plan this week, just because we knew that this was going to be long enough. Um, mm -hmm. But next week... I'm so excited for next week! We are so excited. Um, so, next week, we are going to have our very... <laughs> that was not English. <laughs> We are going to have our very first, I was trying to combine first and special, first. We're going to first. have our very first guest on the podcast, and it is going to be Emily, which is one of my best friends. We love Emily! Um, Emily Henry. No, it is not the author, Emily Henry. <laughs> Although I give her crap all the time about it. Why didn't she tell me she wrote a book? Um. But it is not the author, Emily Henry, but it's our Emily Henry. Yes. Um, and she's coming on next week. We're going to be discussing Sarah J. Moss. Yes. Um, so all three series. And then we have a fun, a fun segment planned and then a fun game. Yes. So it's probably going to be a really long episode. We're not going to give the segment away because it is just that. Yes. The game. Um, not the game one. If it's too drastically long, we'll probably split it into two parts. Um, but I don't think it'll be too, too long. So mm -hmm. it might just be a little, a longer episode than normal next week. Because we tend to get 
to the point where we talk about stuff. Yeah. Sometimes. It's going to be a longer episode than normal next week, but I think it'll be worth it because it's Sarah yes. J. Moss. We can't physically cover all of Sarah J. Moss in one episode anyway. Mm-hmm. Like in one hour. No, there's no way. Oh. Yes. So be prepared. Next week's episode might be a little bit longer. But yeah. So we hope you guys are excited about that because we definitely are. Um, So yeah, she'll be here next week and that'll be our very first guest. We also knew that we wanted her to be our first guest because she's the only other one that we discuss books with. Um, So yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Um, If you would like to give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok um, for the podcast social, it is at Family Fiction Podcast. No spaces, no special characters on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and then our personal socials are linked below. Mm-hmm. And uh, raise five stars, subscribe, all that jazz. Leave a rating, comment. Yes. Leave us a comment. Let us know how many books you guys read this month. Um, if you read any of the books that we read. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week for Sarah J. Moss. Yay! See ya. See ya.